0: Welcome to Holy Smoke, the Spectator's religion podcast. I'm Damian Thompson. Raymond Arroyo, frequently to be seen on Fox News as a host, author of the Will Wilder children's books, presenter of EWTN's The World Over, which is the most hard-hitting programme of analysis of news from the Catholic world, whose exposés of hypocrisy and corruption under this pontificate have earned him enemies who are determined that he should be silenced. Well, he joins us today. Fortunately, Raymond's enemies have failed in silencing him and now silencing (laughs) him is going to be even harder because he's just produced a Christmas album, Christmas Merry and Bright, in which he draws on his training at the Tisch School of Arts in New York to sing songs and carols in jazz arrangements that call to mind the wonderfully sophisticated settings Written for his hero, Frank Sinatra. And he's joined on that album by the legendary Jose Feliciano. So, Raymond, welcome.
1: Oh, Damien, what a joy to be with you. Uh, Thank you. You you were on my show a a couple of weeks ago. So strange to be
0: with you. I'm glad we can turn the tables here. We are. This is going to be fun because you're taking us back to the Christmases of the 1950s and 60s. Before you were born, not before I was born, but before you were born, and a musical genre that is a lot more sophisticated than people might realise. And your album is recorded in New Orleans. Where you've been able to draw on some phenomenal talent. So, you know, not only do you sing beautifully, but the solos, the improvisations, the arrangements are extraordinarily vibrant and, and sophisticated. So... Tell me, how did this album come about? How do you decide well, to do this? During my Christmas specials at EWTN,
1: I have had the great honor and the blessing to sing with Johnny Mathis and Andy Williams and Aaron Neville and Keely Smith, some of my heroes, some of my favorite singers. And, you know, I call them the voices of Christmas in many ways. Since I was a child, that classic American big band sweet approach to Christmas always is what I hear when I think of Christmas music. And uh, a a producer approached me and said, hey, you've sung with all of these great voices. Have you ever thought about doing your own Christmas album? And I said, well, no, because I know how difficult it is to do these things. And so I originally said no, but then I went back, Damien, and I did a deep dive into each of these Christmas carols, the ones I really love. Uh, both contemporary classics and, you know, the classics, uh, Hark the Herald Angels Sing and and Go Tell It on the Mountain and uh, Silent Night. And what I discovered is the backstory and the context of these songs changed my entire appreciation of them and my understanding of them. And I thought, well, this is something original we might be able to contribute. If I can get an original composer, uh, or arranger rather, to come in and we bent these arrangements and and helped the, the the arrangements serve up the songs in the way they were originally intended to be presented. And I accommodated my vocal performance in the same direction. We might be able to come up with something entirely new. And that's what we did. Kevin Koska, who arranged The Greatest Showman and Jungle Book for Disney and The Lion King, uh, The Dark Knight, he did all of these arrangements and his background is in Big band orchestration. And he just has a cinematic, wonderful ear. So when I gave him some of these backstories, it intrigued him. I told him exactly what I wanted. And um, he came back with something much better, I have to say.
0: I remember somebody once asked Perry Como, how are you so relaxed when you sing these songs? (laughs) And he said, oh, I'm not relaxed. I'm just tired. But in fact, uh, listening to you singing these with such skill they're not easy to perform because you're often singing, I'm not sure if I can get the musical term exactly right, against the rhythm, across the bar lines, frequently syncopation, hemios, whatever you want to call it. And there's a lot more art there than people might realise.
1: Well, you know, uh, Frank Sinatra once said, when you're singing with a... You know, in my past, uh, Damien, I should say this, I didn't say it up top, Uh, 25 years ago, 30 years ago, I was trained as an actor, a director. Um, I I did a lot of musicals, I toured in musicals, but you know, uh, doing a musical and doing something like this are two different animals. The the musical is set, the rhythm is set, the orchestra's in a pit. It's all very uh, regimented actually. There's not a lot of give in it. Uh, Even your performance, everybody, you know, you kind of find it and you set it and that's that. This is a very different thing because you're dealing with 20 pieces um, it, it, it's, and you know, we had 20 of the best sidemen in New Orleans, trumpeters and, and saxophone players and vibes and uh, drummers who had backed uh, Ella Fitzgerald and Aretha Franklin and Ray really? Charles and Johnny Mathis. Wow. So when you have that kind of talent, and many of these guys, Damien, had been performing together, they've known each other since high school. So they've been playing together for 30 and 40 years. So when they come into the studio and open your chart, one of my saxophone players probably in his 60s, said, this is some old school stuff, I love this. And I said, what do you mean by that? He said, well, it's complex, but you can see how it's all gonna fit together and really gel beautifully. And he was right. Uh, it's like a musical wave and you have to sort of grab your surfboard and jump on it. Uh, Sinatra once said, when you're singing with a big band, it's like dancing in between thunderclaps. And that's how I sometimes felt uh it is a physical endurance test i mean i went back into training you know i i i trained for 3 months before i you know got behind the mic for this project and just to get my breathing back the you know it there's a different type of diaphragmatic breathing and control you need when you're doing this type of arrangement because as you said you need to carry those phrases and lines into the next one and um you know just for the intelligence of the lyric to to communicate And I wanted these lyrics to be heard. They're so beautiful. Hark the Herald Angels Sing, Damien, has that beautiful line, Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, Behold the incarnate deity. I don't think anybody's ever heard that line. So in this arrangement, you will hear it, and it's dynamic, and, and, you know, it it, it has punch and drama. And that's what I wanted to bring back to these carols that I think we've lost over time.
0: When I was a kid, every Christmas sermon, seemed to consist of a priest getting up and saying, well, there's always an Irish priest, the commercialisation of Christmas is a terrible thing. And you just sit there and, you know, you'd have 15 minutes of, of <laughs> ranting against the commercialization of Christmas. Well, this is a commercial product. It's a show business product. But the message is not in every song, but in some songs it's an overtly Christian one. And you are overtly Christian. So... There is a real Christian meaning to what might be dismissed as a, a glitzy, superficial gloss on the mm-hmm. real meaning of Christmas.
1: Well, look, you, you, we are taking familiar, a familiar and, I think, enjoyable, joyous sound, the big band, and it is, this is straight down the middle, classic jazz. I mean, that's what it is. It's not progressive, it's not ugly or, you know, atonal. Um, it's very melodic jazz. But in that big band treatment, it lulls you. It almost pulls you in. You, 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 Your toes can't help but start tapping. But that's part of why I wanted to set these songs in that style. Because it is such an attractive style. But sure, the content of these songs are about the reason we celebrate Christmas. It is about the wonder. And when you read the lyrics, and that's what I did first, Amy... I pulled all the lyrics and I read them as dramatic texts. And when you look at Silent Night, or you look at Hark the Herald Angels Sing, or even Go Tell It on the Mountain, or Joy to the World, these are very beautiful lyrics. And we've lost so many of them. We don't even understand the concepts. And I think deadly off-key board choirs over many, many decades, have
0: drained the light of oh, some of these cameras. Oh, you're so right about that. Am I right or what? Oh, my God. So, I have spent I, years talking about the dreadful state of Catholic music. Um, I know you just, have. You know, it's getting better in some places, but the places where it's getting better are the places where the mass is being suppressed. But let's not talk about that for the moment. I'm dying no, no, but ask. it's an element here. It is an, an element. element that, Absolutely. And,
1: and so when I went in and looked at these songs anew, I said, oh my goodness, I've never seen these lyrics before. I've never heard them. So we, we dove deep into that and Kevin created a kind of dramatic buildup so that those big moments, those great lyrics, you can hear them for the first time. And when you get to a song like I Heard the Bells, which I've known my whole life, but I never knew the backstory, I Heard the Bells is such a beautiful song. It was written by uh, Longfellow, the great American poet, and he lost his wife in a fire. She, she was reading to him while he napped one day in their living room. Her dress caught fire. He tried to put her out. Um, he couldn't. The right side of his face was scarred and he wore a beard for the rest of his life because of it. The next year, his son runs off to the Civil War and gets shot through the shoulders, uh, comes home paralyzed. And on Christmas Day, he brings his son home, and he hears the bells on the corner at the local church tolling and He writes this beautiful poem. "I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old, familiar Carol's play, and it's about the 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 plaintive cry of peace on earth, goodwill to men, and not feeling that and It's really like a beautiful three act play, so to be able to do resituate and reframe those songs. And bring them to a new audience is just a joy. And I'm on tour, Damien. I've been, I've been on tour for the last few weeks. I know. And it's been incredible watching live audiences react to the to the music.
0: I wanted to ask you about one of your great musical heroes, Frank Sinatra, because this is a genre, mm. it's a style of arrangement that we associate with Sinatra, though some people yeah. might, might say Tony Bennett was the real king, but I think most people would say that there was no performer quite like Sinatra the great conductor of the Berlin Philharmonic, Herbert Von Karajan was once asked, who's the greatest singer you've ever worked with? And he said, well, actually I've never worked with him. It's Frank Sinatra. And you were telling me the other day that you heard Frank Sinatra live yourself, which I'm so envious. Oh, obvious.
1: oh I, I saw Frank Sinatra 30 times in concert and I met him as, a, as an 18 year old. And later, I met him, I think I was 20 when I saw him again in New York, met him in person. Um, so it, it was for me, Sinatra, you know other other kids ran after rock groups and and metal groups and not me. I, I my great my great grandmother lived in the house with us. I was very close to my grandparents, and my parents were fans of Sinatra as well. So I grew up listening to everything he recorded. And uh, as a teenager I'd, I'd go see him regularly. and I went to college in New York. So Frank was always either in Florida or Atlantic City or New Jersey or or Radio City Musical. So I saw him in. all, I even saw him in London a few times actually. Um, so I uh, when I was working there. So he was. He is the voice of my life. I hear him all the time. So there is certainly an influence, but the influence is not one that I felt any urge to copy. I in fact I hate. Those tribute shows where people kind of do impressions—they yeah. do an yeah. evening as that person, Elvis, or you know, Judy Garland, or Sinatra, or somebody—I think it's ridiculous. It should just stop. You don't want to do that, but you want to take the best of them—the the example, the essence, the the thing they gave you—and put that through your own point of view. So, to me, the beauty of Sinatra was always, even when his voice wasn't great, Damien, and then there were nights when it wasn't in his seventies, but the majesty of those arrangements, the full beauty of those, they were sweeping cinematic arrangements that pulled you in before he ever opened his mouth. And his dramatic understanding and reverence for the lyric and the character that was that the lyric held, I think it, 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 there are a few other, I mean, there's a handful of singers, I can count them on one hand, Barbara Cook, Streisand, maybe Sarah Vaughan, a handful of people who had that kind of command of a lyric uh, and added something extra when they sang it. That's what I take from Sinatra and took from him. So this is by no means an imitation of him or uh, it's a fool's errand to do that. It's my voice, it's my approach, but there are things phrasing, his gift of creating a long phrase intentionally to create drama and to underscore a certain element of the lyric and just his dramatic sense. That's and there's the another voice.
0: I, to... I remember when, when when I saw your album, and this was before I'd heard it, and by the yeah. way, my neighbours have been quite confused because I, I've been listening to a lot of Bruckner and um, even Stockhausen <laughs> recently, and they've been, listen- they've been hearing your album. And I'm enjoying it hugely. But when I saw the press release at first, I thought, Jose Feliciano? Wow. I must say, <laughs> is he still around, was my first reaction. And then... Tell me how that came about, because he sounds absolutely wonderful on the album.
1: Oh, he's fantastic. Jose, in fact, has been touring with me. We were in Dallas last weekend. We're going to uh, the, the Ryman Auditorium, the National, the great, they call it the mother church of music in the United States, compared to, to England. It's not much of a mother church. We're babies. But um, we. The, the beauty of it is, Jose is an old and dear friend. And again, Damien, this is another example where the backstory informed the approach and we accommodated. We really, Stephen Sondheim had that great line that context is content, context is content. And I really feel that in music and storytelling, whatever it is, you, you bend and accommodate the, the, the form of the thing to whatever the content is, whatever the context is. Your obligation is to conform to that, not to remake it in your own image. So Jose Feliciano had told me years ago when he wrote Feliz Navidad under duress in the recording studio, he had to come up with an original song. And his producer said, write something about your family. So he went in the corner and in 10 minutes wrote Feliz Navidad thinking of his brothers and his mom and dad sitting on the shores of Puerto Rico beating little instruments, tin cans and playing the guitar and singing Spanish Christmas carols. That's the vision he had in his head. But I never heard that in the thousands of times I've heard Feliz Navidad. So I said, Jose, can we go do our own version? But I'd like it to be very bossa nova. I want to feel the palm trees swaying and feel the warmth. But it should be two brothers sitting on the sand singing together. Well, and he loved the idea. And that's what we did. And he not only accompanies me on the album, he sings with me on the album. And then he agreed to come on tour and do a couple of dates with me when he, you know, he's got a packed schedule. So he could only do a few dates with me, but it's been incredible. And I love, if people go to dot RaymondArroyoChristmas.com, they can hear a little bit of that song. There's a trailer about the album, but Jose was just incredible.
0: I heartily recommend it. And, you know, we really could do with a bit of cheering up at the moment, couldn't we? I mean, I (laughs) guess you could say that at any year. But for Catholics, I think this is perhaps the roughest time of our lives. And so it's particularly cheering to hear this. Raymond, I have to end by inflicting on you a corny joke. But it is just, it kind of fits. So here goes, you've probably heard it before. But radio station at Christmas is taking requests for Christmas songs. And the DJ says, um, "We got a Mrs. B White from Chicago who says she wants the song with her name in it." Um, I, I, I'm sorry. Which one is that? And <laughs> she says, "Well, what White Christmas, obviously. May all your Chris, Mrs. B White." <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry to inflict that on you. Ravens. That's okay. I'll
1: take it. You know, considering the backstory of that song, that's a that's a sweet story. And and you know that, there again, Damien. I found so many. Uh, I, I I pulled about sixty songs when I started, and I did the research on all of them. Went to the libraries and pulled old books, and you know did a lot of online searching and called some music scholars I know. And White Christmas is actually a very depressing song. They, there's that melancholic backs. You know you, you hear it in the in the actual music. There's there, there melancholic keys in the song and notes that, that Irving Berlin chooses that are very sad. In fact, Bing Crosby hated singing it for troops because it would they'd all burst out crying in the middle of, of his singing. And it turns out the reason it's so melancholic, first of all, he wrote it when he was away from his family. He was in Hollywood, they were in New York. But what people didn't realize until much later is, uh, Irving Berlin, of course, was a Jew. He didn't celebrate Christmas, but he lost his three-week-old son, and they, bit, and they lost the child on Christmas Day. So every year, the Berlins would go to the gravesite of this boy. And when you lit, unpack that lyric, which Irving Berlin also wrote, where children listen for sleigh bells ringing in the snow, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas like the ones I used to know. It, it's a very sad lyric. You know, it's a yearning, melancholic lyric, but it's about really losing his son all those years ago so that was a backstory i knew nothing of but it will certainly color my interpretation of white christmas maybe i'll do that one on the next album
0: boy i will never hear it the same way again Raymond Arroyo, thank you so much for producing this and thank you so much for being my guest a long-held ambition
1: damien it is an honor to be in the smoke of the holy
2: smoke Prospero año y felicidad. Feliz Navidad. Oye, qué buena está. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Prospero año y felicidad. Feliz Navidad. Oye, feliz Navidad.